and welcome to Let's Explore Tokyo. I'm James. And I'm Lee. And we're back for another episode. Been a little bit of a gap. Yeah. The, I had some family stuff in the UK, but uh, here we are back in the aforementioned Tokyo and summer is just beginning. Yeah. It's about 25, 26 today. A little bit humid, not yeah. so high yet. Most people don't like it, but I love Japanese summer. Like it's so hot and so sweaty that it just doesn't feel real. It's like in it's it's, well, it's mythical a, weather. It's brilliant. You're from a place that doesn't have any sun. Yeah, so. I'm from Glasgow, <laughs> so yeah. But I mean, it just yeah, I absolutely love it. But the same, I really I, I loved when I lived in Singapore. I loved the weather there. Like yeah. I know some people that drives them crazy, but I love the constant heat. It just yeah. I found Singapore more manageable than well, Singapore Tokyo, is, actually. Again, I mean, if people have been to either, they'll know. But if if, some, if someone hasn't been to either, they may be surprised that Singapore is humid all year round. Mm. But J- Japanese summer, in the summer, Japan is significantly more humid. Like yeah. July and August is significantly more humid than Singapore. It's the same kind of level of humidity all the year round, which is humid. Like if you came from... I don't know. Um, From somewhere in Europe or yeah, North Northern America. France or London or Germany. I think, I think some parts of like mainland Germany can be quite dry yeah. and cold. Then, yeah, you'd probably be like, Jesus, this is so humid. But yeah, Japanese summer is very, very... Japanese, summer in Tokyo, summer in Kyoto, summer in Seoul. Mm. Those are the sweatiest summers. The sweatiest places I've ever been. If you've been to Singapore and you hear people say that it's actually more comfortable than Tokyo in summer, uh-huh. that's saying a lot because yeah. Singapore is pretty uh, it's pretty thick and steamy. Mm. There's a, a first tip for the day, actually, for this episode. If you are coming to Japan anytime soon within the next... We're recording this... Well, it's, uh, it's June 1st. June. Yeah. Yeah. It's Technically speaking, it's the first day of summer. Uh-huh. But summer here doesn't really get into gear until... After rainy season. After rainy season, which... See you. Yeah. Which begins around about uh, about a month from now. Well, yeah. it, it, it will end yeah. a month from now. So your first third of the summer in Japan is pretty much taken up by... Rainy. Mostly rain. Yeah. And it's quite humid. And then after the rainy season finishes, it just goes into super hot and humid. Yeah, July and August... It's reasonable. If you came here for two weeks in August, right, you would have it. L- I, I, I bet any amount of money you'd have at least two, if not more, days where it was about thirty-six degrees midday. Oh, 40 Yeah, even with with a, a feel factor of more than that because yeah. the humidity is very, very high. So yeah, there's a piece of advice for you if you are thinking of coming to Japan within the next month or two, like. June, July, August. Be forewarned. Yeah. I mean, you may struggle. Yeah, not have to phrase this the right way, but like being just practically speaking, if you're a heavy person, Mm. you carry a bit of weight in any way, um, summer could be difficult. Like, I I remember I've worked with some people who, you know, were people who are a bit bigger, you know, Mm. just the way they were. Um, And geez, yeah, like this, they were sweating a lot. Mm. Um, Because it's just, it's funny if you're wearing, if you're wearing shorts and t-shirts, it's fine. I guess what I'm thinking, I I was working with these people, so they were wearing work clothes and arriving to the office. um, And it was a struggle for them. Because yeah, if you're wearing a suit, which sometimes you have to do, 
I mean, nowadays there's a thing called uh, cool biz. Yeah. But um, if you're going to a client meeting in Japan, you'd still realistically be expected to wear a suit and tie, realistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some of those guys out or, and ladies that I've worked with in the past, it's been a bit like, you know, the door opens, you go out the air-conditioned building and you walk out into the street and they're just like, it's as if they've walked into a shower and a mist setting. Yeah. It's like, full on. Yeah, uh, be aware of that. Be aware, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I came here to live initially just for a year, but like all of us, it became longer. But when I came here to live, I had no idea Japan was hot. Yeah, even. yeah. me too. Yeah. The Tokyo region, at least, doesn't cool off until mid-October. Mm, even later sometimes, yeah. So there's big, I mean, there'll be a lot of people coming to Japan this year for the Rugby World Cup, which will run from September through to October. I guess they scheduled it at that time of year because in theory... It's not summer, to cool, yeah. But and it's true. It's cooler than August. It's like, cooler than August. Play any sport in August, jeez. Oh, God. But it's yeah. that's not saying much. It's yeah. still gonna be around thirty odd degrees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, prepare yourself. Yes. The Japanese climate weather is not is not the topic du jour, is it? It's, no, although we've spoken at length about it, but it's not no. actually our topic. Our topic is. But it's worth mentioning that. that yeah. yeah. Our topic is the admin and red tape. Yeah. Uh, you know, such a fun topic, but actually a really, we think, a very useful topic. The admin and red tape that comes with, and Japan's great. Japan is great. Um, and But I guess the price you pay for how safe and orderly it is, mm. is the admin and red tape. Yeah. And when you need, there's certain things that when you need to do it, even though you're like, I really like it here, but my goodness, I'm about to absolutely freak out trying to do this process. And that process would tend to be something like, you know, your sort of important life type things that even back home are a bit of a hassle. So in Japan, they're a super hassle because it's it's in a different yeah. culture. But then also the fact that it's a very risk averse culture, they've got more layers and paperwork than you would have thought was going to happen. Yeah. Such as opening a bank account. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit, uh, not too Banking much. Banking in general, yeah, yeah, in Japan. It's not the sexiest of topics, is it? Yeah. But it's, again, it's one of those things that if you're coming here to either work for a while, or even if you're just going to be here short term, let's mm-hmm. say you're going to be here for a few months on a working visa or something, you're going to need a bank account. Banking's not the easiest thing to do in your own language. Now, fortunately, we come from, I mean, you and I, we come from places that are pretty good with banking. I think. Yeah. I know banking, I mean, I've been to the UK fairly recently, but I know banking in my own country, New Zealand, has been streamlined down to a, a process where you rarely, if ever, have to walk into a branch. branch. Yeah. And again, you rarely, if ever, have to do anything to do with banking that isn't online. Yeah. That's really handy, right? That's not always the case in Japan. Yeah. Internet banking in Japan is a fairly new concept. Yeah. And some banks that you join will make you apply separately for an internet banking account. And then that said internet banking accounts interface will look like something that was designed in the early days of the internet around 1995. So we both found that we both use Shinsei Bank. Yeah. Uh, which We're does not sponsored have, by them. But yeah. Just to be... <laughs> Shinsei Bank have a lot of English language information. It's the only bank that I know of that does, yeah. off the top of my head. And their um, their Japanese website looks alright, and then any one of the pages where you're interfacing in English, yeah, it's like, I don't know, you know, back in the days of like opening up 
pages that were made with flash and they had like toasters with wings and mm. stuff like that just like wow okay this is pretty amazing yeah shinsei bank and just to spell it out for you in case that's s-h-i-n-s-e-i shinsei yeah new life i guess yeah. yeah yeah if you look at the, the individual kanji yeah. characters it means new life yeah, yeah. just thinking in english that doesn't sound very good either. new life bank like, yeah oh, that sounds very shady sounds like a religious group or something or i don't know we would say endorse them but we recommend them because yeah they're the only major bank around that has english hmm. but by japanese standards they're not really a major bank uh-huh. the major banks in japan would be what mitsubishi ufj mizuho must be the biggest mizuho is big um rezona Zona Ginko. And then there's hundreds and hundreds of other little banks. You know, I yeah, heard, Yokohama Bank. Yeah. I, I heard, and later on this was verified by a Japanese friend of mine saying that Japan has the most banks. Really? Out of any country in the world. Yeah. And I'd believe that because every little village you go to has yeah. at least three of its own little banks. You know, this is the honest truth. There are hundreds of banks yeah. in Japan. But there's basically three main ones. You know, Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi UFJ, Mizuho, Mizuho uh, Sumitomo, maybe Rezona to a lesser yeah. degree. Japanese people bank with those, one of yeah. those banks. Shinsei is not considered one of the major banks. Yeah. But like I said, they're really useful for foreigners because they do have English internet banking login. And Shinsei off the bat will give you access to internet banking. Yes. Whereas other big banks, they're kind of, well, you know, you need to go and take this. Again, the red tape comes into play. I mean, I, I, send this application away yeah. to your local Buddhist monk. <laughs> yeah. When I went out of Japan, I didn't close the account, even though I suppose I think you're supposed to. And I came back, I just started using it again. But I've, so I've had a Sumitomo account for like 11 years. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, anything I want to do other than put money in, take money out is a nightmare. Yeah. It's not like, oh, you're a trusted customer. It's just like, hey, one, you're a foreigner. And two, you want to do what? Yeah. Oh, I need to check if that can be done. Yeah, like, the kind of yeah. I mean, but part of that is being a foreigner. But obviously, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're unlikely to be a Japanese national. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like probably know Tokyo better than others, so it's fine. But so if you're a visitor, then probably again, not that we get anything from this, but probably steer towards Shinsei. Yeah. So Shinsei, everything is done online, mm-hmm. which is for the most part, it's fine. Yeah. And they give you as a basic level customer, you'll get. I think it's now it's changed to only three. It used to be five, but you'll get three bank transfers for no charge every month. Right. Which is really handy. They've got this system here called a furikomi mm-hmm. in Japan. When a lot of Japanese people pay their bills by furikomi, it literally means bank transfer. Yeah. So electronic bank transfer. So, you know, a lot of the, the bills and services you pay for will tell you how to furikomi. So you can do all that from Shinsei's internet banking. Yeah. Um, interface and you can do that free three times a month or something and if you like uh, I don't know about you but I originally joined Shinsei back in the day one because they had English support and two because you can use their ATMs in Family Mart Family Mart yes you can but you will have to pay oh really that's a Lawson yeah Lawson and 7-Eleven ah right so any of the seven branded with the branding mark seven Uh seven and I holdings ATMs which you'll not only see in 7-Eleven stores themselves but dotted around the stations stations and sometimes in shops. It's pretty convenient, yeah. Yeah, and at the time, all of their withdrawals were free. Right. 
they've just changed it now like if you unless you've got like a certain balance your withdrawals are not free anymore They're like 100 uh, yen per right. withdrawal so be aware of that but overall I'm fairly happy with Shinsei yeah they're okay one last sort of thing I guess I'll mention about banking if you're thinking about getting a credit card don't no I won't say don't but uh, if you're only going to be here short term don't even bother yeah just be prepared to use your home credit card here yeah. it's going to be much easier um, I've, I've got a Japanese credit card now but I'm a permanent resident. Is it JCB resident. or is it Visa or? It's a Visa. Yeah. Because oh, right. sometimes that's the thing. You might even like fight, you know, go through a few rejections and denies to get a credit card and then find your credit card is JCB and you're like, JCB? Mm. Yeah, Japan Credit Bureau? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's not recognized everywhere. That's for sure. No, no. So now I have one, but I'm a permanent resident here. So mm. I'm sure that was a big factor as to getting one. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. But if you have... Like only a three-year visa or a five-year visa or something, there's a high chance they might just say no, yeah. we're not giving you one. So yeah, I think a lot of foreigners would not know that before they came here. If they were going to be here for a period of time, they would think, well, I'll open a bank account. I guess I'll get a credit card with it. No, yeah. it will be difficult. Shinsei offer you that new debit no, card, they, don't they? They have, yeah, they have a pre-charged debit card. I've Called got, Geica. Got, I think you've got one as well. I've got one as Geica well, yeah. Card. yeah. it's not bad. So it operates like a credit card. You can get it to have automatic charging direct from your account. Yeah. So it's pretty good, yeah. But again, not a credit. So like buying something and paying it off for a period of time? No. Mm. But um, Japanese people tend to use their credit cards like debit cards anyway. Yeah. So like they pay off the entire balance every month. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. Banking, credit cards, etc. Just, yeah, be warned. Yeah. Too long, didn't read. Go to Shinsei Bank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's next on our list of sort of survival? They sound boring, but are actually really good survival yeah, tips. Yeah, you, you'll be glad you knew this. We wish we'd known it before we come here. Yeah. Now we have getting a phone. Yeah. This is a big one. You have all of your phone and internet done through one through company. Through SoftBank, yeah. Yeah. There are, how many big sort of communications companies are there in Japan? SoftBank, AU, Docomo, probably... I think that's it, really. This, yeah. this is the big three. That really is it, yeah. What's the deal that you've got there? You, you've got everything through SoftBank, haven't you? Oh, mine is um, each month I deposit a bit of this arm and a bit of that leg. <laughs> it's not too bad actually. Works at about $85 but I think compared to the US and stuff that's really extortionate. Mm. Yeah and it's just for like sort of a very standard plan and my my house Wi-Fi. Even getting the Wi-Fi set up even though I've been a customer with them for a number of years the Wi-Fi I have to rent it which is why I'm oh, really? more. I couldn't buy the unit because yeah I couldn't have the installation of the unit and the accompanying service and service contract for that which is cheaper and faster for the reason I don't have three years left on my visa mm. when basically if you don't have a, if you don't have at least three years on your visa then they won't let you make that kind of contract mm. and you'll have to be renting it so if you get a three year visa which happens sometimes you go and renew your visa you get three years sometimes five years um, if you get three years then you actually better rush to SoftBank that day and do it because <laughs> that's the only day the next day they'll be like you have two years you know 364 days left sorry yeah and you were saying that costs around about 8,000 yen which is yeah, roughly around like about 85 dollars US yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess that's not bad and that's, that's for your phone your internet at home yeah and you mentioned they, they chuck in Netflix for you with that yes yeah, so Netflix is oh, right. a okay, so there's a bundle. So it's not actually too bad I think I pay something like a little bit more than 4,000 yen a month for just internet. Yeah. 
Uh, I think I use OCN, which is one of the big mm-hmm. providers here. I recommend OCN actually. Mm-hmm. I think some of the other companies also have English, but I, I remember at the time applying for internet through OCN, they had an English support desk. Right. And okay, yeah, here's something that's quite important. When you sign up for internet through any of the big internet providers here, of course, all the communications network and infrastructure is owned by NTT. Mm-hmm. So actually you end up with two contracts. You end up with a contract with your provider and a contract with NTT because they own everything. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird and it's a little bit confusing. Yeah. So you end up paying actually two bills. For the longest time, we get our internet bills like one bill for like 2000 yen from NTT and then one bill for a little bit more than 2000 yen from OCN. It's like, oh God, why can't they just put it all together? Yeah. Finally, it has reached a point where they are, they have an agreement with NTT and they can put it all together. Right. Thank goodness. Because, <laughs> But yeah, don't be surprised if that happens. You like you end up with these two bills. It's like, why have I got two bills? I just paid for the internet. It's like, no, you, you yeah. owe NTT and you owe your provider. So uh, this will be a recurring theme. We love Japan, but there is a lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Great place to live. These are the, the small hiccups you put up with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the names of all the internet providers out there, but uh, SoftBank uh-huh. uh, were originally a... They were originally Vodafone, weren't they? Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. So they actually... Oh, sorry, I guess SoftBank bought Vodafone. Yeah. And that's how they got to the size they are quite quickly. Yeah, but they were originally just a mobile phone company, weren't yeah. they? Originally, a mobile phone network. Of course, now they, they offer home internet as well. So... That sort of segues into the next point, doesn't it? And that is the, the phone aspect of the mm-hmm. yeah. of the equation. Of course, getting a phone is pretty much, you know, a necessity, isn't it? Yes. And like you just said, very similar to uh, signing up for Wi-Fi or something, unless you have guaranteed three years on your visa, many phone dealers here won't offer you the phone on a plan on a contract plan yeah. where you pay a bit every month and then after like two years that's the phone paid for theoretically it's very similar to that so i've i don't have that problem anymore but i've you know i used to have that problem in the past yeah so there are the big three mobile phone networks here softbank ntt mm-hmm. and au yes and they're all pretty much similar aren't they, they all offer like think, pretty similar prices yeah, think pretty similar yeah I used to be with SoftBank years ago and I had an iPhone on a contract with them. Right. I didn't realize you'd changed. Uh, a long time ago. Okay. But, and again, SoftBank were very popular among the foreign community because again, they also had English support available. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do. I guess so. Uh, to the extent, yeah. Actually, you know what? Not bad. Not bad. Oh, okay. That's good to know. The cost of your basic plan for phone plus internet is going to wind up around about average 7,000 to 8,000 yen a month, mm-hmm. uh, which should include the, the charge of the, ha- the handset as well Yeah. on any of these big three companies, right? So what I'd recommend you do now is you can actually bypass those big three companies now because like- until, now This is news to me as well. You yeah. were telling me about this earlier. Until as recent as only five years ago, so about five years ago, the law in Japan regarding- cell phone and mobile networks and stuff was quite restrictive mm-hmm. so hence it was dominated by these three companies mm-hmm. but then the law changed and now these companies have to open up a certain amount of their network space to other retailers i, I think they call it mvn or something like these are these are basically mini networks they're mm-hmm. not actually networks themselves they just buy space 
yeah. on one of the big three companies' networks and, and you pay a much cheaper price for that. I would recommend using one of those because the downside is you will need to have your own phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to pay for a phone outright. But of course, once you have your own phone, you can just buy a SIM card from any one of these companies. Yeah. I use a company called Double I-J-M-I-O. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that. Double I-J-I-M-O. Oh, yeah. Ijimio, Ijimio or something. Ijimio. They're pretty cheap. And I, I pay 1,600 yen per month for two gigabytes of data right. and phone. Uh, I also have the ability to receive and make phone calls. Uh, uh, like most people these days, I don't actually make actual phone calls very much anymore. Just use the data or Wi-Fi for that. So uh, for me, I find two gigabytes is enough. But you could get more than that for a little bit more. It's really cheap. Yeah. So basically, you're, you're paying only a fraction of the price of what the big three companies offer. So I'd really recommend those because it's as simple as just going into a shop, buying one of the SIM cards, and that's it. So you don't have to deal with uh, going into one of the, the stores and trying to you know, negotiate a contract. And, and that, that is genuine insight in that I didn't know that was There you go. James wider. learned something, yeah. Yeah. Every day is a school day. It is. With Captain Lee. The final thing that may come up that we wanted to cover is mm. moving. Moving. Now, in terms of looking for an apartment, etc., maybe in the future we do an episode specifically looking at that. Yeah, it's and a big topic. Yeah, we don't really have, we don't really want to, you know, by name recommend anyone because it's it's totally what you want, what you're looking for. Yeah. Um. Although obviously, if people want to ask us questions on Twitter, we're happy to answer. Yeah. But we don't want to endorse or denigrate anyone. It's not fair. Mm. So we're just going to focus right now on some of the admin parts of it. So to get an apartment in Tokyo, if your company's going to sort it out for you, lucky you. Yeah. Stay with that company. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're doing it yourself, as most of us, well, most non-expats we've had to do, is oh sorry expats in terms of like being an expat in your company mm. i think i think we are always technically expats if we're here aren't we yeah the paperwork and some of the steps and the cash that you have to pay all of that can be quite surprising mm. first of all you'll need a guarantor yeah do you need a guarantor in new zealand I really don't think so i don't think so no so a guarantor is some a Japanese national or foreign PR I think is also acceptable yeah but Japanese national has to uh, sign a form uh, does it sign a form? yeah usually they'll, yeah, yeah. they'll co-sign the contract your yeah. rental contract yeah they have, to co-sign, uh, they have to sign a form stating that in the event that you miss payments or in the event that you cause catastrophic damage to the apartment etc and uh, whatever and run away the guarantor is actually then legally mm. viable. Uh, not viable, legally responsible. Mm. So it can be quite a big deal because if you don't know a Japanese person, right, mm. then asking someone that either you have just met or barely know, they're going to be like, and again, Japanese people are generally more risk averse. Yeah. They are going to be like, I'd rather not. <laughs> But even for me, I, I think I mean, it's, it's a huge responsibility, yeah, isn't it? If someone right. said to me, like, could you be my guarantor? I'd be like, ah. You're legally responsible, yeah. I like you, but no. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big thing. It's yeah. too much. It's, it goes from one extreme to the other, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, this is just a tiny little bit of responsibility. Two, you're on the hook for possibly millions of yen of yeah. damage. Like, I'd rather not have that responsibility. <laughs> so then you go down the guarantor company route. Yeah. Which is where you pay. 
a small fee. Yeah, you pay like a a yearly fee usually. I think it is. Yeah, so they'll send you a bill for I don't know a couple of hundred dollars or something. Yeah, and these a lot of these guarantor companies. I mean, they deal with a lot of foreigners, right? So yeah, they, it depends on your rent, doesn't it? So if, yeah. if your rent's like a hundred thousand, you probably pay them about sixty thousand or something per year or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's not extortionate, but it's just like just budget for it. Yeah, the company I used to use would just send me a bill every year that the yeah. contract would renew, yeah. and they could actually speak English as well. And so. Yeah. Because a lot of these guarantor companies, they will be advertised to foreigners as well because yeah. they know that like you come to Japan, of course you don't know someone well enough to be your guarantor. So, yeah, yeah. But I know I recently I've heard things have changed in Tokyo that, that in that even Japanese people now, even if they have a guarantor like their parents or yeah. a relative, even that's not enough. Now they're actually asking even just you know Japanese citizens for well you need a guarantor company as well as another oh, guarantor. It's ridiculous. Goodness, yeah. yeah, that's for another. So you get your guarantor. Now you'll need your key money. Yeah. What's the key money you say? Money for the key? Well, it'll only be a few bucks. Actually, no. No, no, no It's no, not no, for no. the key. The money, it's uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for letting me move in. I know I'm going to pay you rent, ah. but in addition to that... Well, I'll stop you there. Yeah? That's the reikin. Shikikin oh. and reikin. Right, right. Reikin is the thank you. Ah. Shikikin is the key money. Right, right. I don't know why it's called key money then. <laughs> Yeah, so what is it? Anyway, yeah. But um, yeah, so there's thank you money and key money. Yeah. And both of them are money you lose. Yep. Just down the hole. You're paying them. That's it. They can. It can be, let's see, it could actually be a good few thousand dollars. Could be. It's typically one month's rent. Yeah, and in some cases, the one. Some case, cases, <coughs> two. Yeah. So they'll say, uh, okay, uh, a, a listing for an apartment will say, "Oh yeah, here's your monthly rent, one hundred twenty thousand yen per month. Uh, to move moving in costs, two months key money, two months thank you money. Yeah. So you're paying up front. Oh, and then of course you've got to pay one month's rent as a fee to the realtor. Yeah. So you're paying six months rent straight off the bat, just to move in, just to move in. Then of course your rent will kick in. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's a lot of money. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And like I said, like that's the, the shikikin and the reikin, the thank you money and the, the key money. That's just gone. Just gone. Yeah. You just paid it. You just pay it for because you have to pay it. Yeah, that's it. Now, realistically nowadays, you can search and search and find places where it's minor. You're going to be really lucky to not pay either. You yeah. still have to be super lucky. Generally, the place that you want will have at least one of them. Yeah. Uh, and if you're really unlucky, the place that you want might have, as you're saying, anywhere up to like two months of each. And, and in which case, you might just want to reconsider where you want to live. Yeah. Yeah. But let's say your rent is 100,000 yen, which would be quite cheap. But let's just use... The Tokyo some, standards, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice easy number. Then realistically, you're going to be paying about... Let's say you move in on the first of the month, right? So you're paying for the, the rent ahead that month as well. Mm. Um, to move in on July 1st, You've probably by the end paid a good minimum three hundred and fifty thousand yen. To pay. Oh, more than that's that. That's I mean. That's like yeah. if that's if minimum. you've been really lucky, like you haven't paid any raking yeah. or yeah. So real most likely budget for a good four hundred and fifty thousand just to be gone. That's yeah, and I, I'd say that'd be conservative. Yeah. Oh, of course, there is an actual key fee, which is not called the key money for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you pay something like usually around like twenty thousand yen yeah. for a changing of the key. They they put in a new lock and yeah. they give you the key. Uh, that is actual literal key money. Yeah, 
That's an expensive key, but I guess... Well, changing locks, I guess that's not cheap, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Okay, so... To put it into perspective, right? The first place my wife and I got together about six years ago now, the rent was about 160,000 yen a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, we found a place that was big enough for the two of us and in a good location and that that's not too bad yeah you might say 160,000 yen that's a lot of money it's a lot of money but for Tokyo that's not bad yeah and so you know and you split it between two people it's fine yeah so we got I think we had to pay of course the first month's rent uh-huh. and of course we still had to pay the key money and, and the thank you money I think we had to pay one month key money two months thank you money right and then the first month's rent and then one month's rent fee for the real estate company yep. and the key change fee. Yep. We ended up paying total close to a million yen. Just under a million yen. Yeah. So we, we, we halved it, of course. Yeah. But that wiped me out for a good few years, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. So Just to get the apartment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, took quite, it, took, it took a good year or so to build up this, my savings again. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Just um, going. Yeah. You, there are alternatives. There are companies, real estate companies that will cater to foreigners. Mm-hmm. Some of the places they might offer you will have like no key money, no thank you. But your your number of available listings will probably be a lot lower mm-hmm. than a standard Japanese realtor. So, yeah. okay, this, this may sound harsh. We're not bashing Japan here. Definitely not. It's just the way it is. As a foreigner, be prepared to be denied applications for apartments. Yeah. Um, they would rather have Japanese tenants. Yeah. So there's still a general sense where Japanese people are, are, are nice. They like learning about foreign countries. They like traveling to foreign countries, making foreign friends. But I think they do, st- a number of older Japanese people perhaps still have an idea that foreigners are a little bit less reliable. And also that we might just suddenly go home mm. to our home country. So I think they just see it as a bit like, you know, it's an apartment, it's a big investment for them. It's So they're like, ah, foreigner, just it seems like there'd be more yeah. hassle. And also they do... So again, I don't think it's necessarily, it's not malicious, but also they do feel a little bit like if there's a problem with the apartment, I guess just communicate with this guy in English and oh, what if the what if the problem mm. arises and it's something quite subtle or there's a problem with the neighbours, like, you know what, it's easier just to find a Japanese tenant. Yeah. That's what they're thinking, really, yeah. So, I mean, we could go on for a long time about this whole, and we'll, for another episode, we'll, we'll delve into it a lot deeper, but yeah, just just be ready you will get denied for several places it can be quite humbling you're sitting in the in the real estate office and like the the realtor he's calling up the, the landlord for you and they're like oh i've got a applicant here blah blah and they, they, you're just waiting for them to drop the word yeah he's a foreigner and it's like and you'll hear them start making all these excuses and then they're like oh okay thank you bye yeah um, yeah, yeah, you're not getting that one yeah there's even listings you'll see some listings and this is okay some you can get offended by this or not yeah, and I don't really care if you get offended by it or not. It's, it's your life, right? You choose what to be offended by. But there's no real law, or there, there might be a law in Japan, but there's no real recourse, and it's not policed very well at all. And nobody seems to really care because 99% of the population is Japanese. Yeah, there are sometimes listings you'll see on real estate window, real estate agent windows saying, "No pets, no foreigners." There we go. And react to that however you like. Yes. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, 
But I'm just saying this because you need to be aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Don't expect to, it to be uh, if you're coming from somewhere like Europe or North America or Australia or New Zealand where, you know, you can get obviously get in massive trouble first for such discriminatory... Uh, yeah, quite rightfully so. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, here, still... Remarks I mean, like that. But in, here, yeah. it's not... Your average Japanese person will think, there's no discrimination in Japan because we're all Japanese. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, make of that what you will. Just be aware of it. Yeah. Anyway, so like I said, moving, we'll probably cover that in more detail somewhere down the line. Yeah. If you've got any other questions about it, just ask us on Twitter or... But just a good heads up in case you're ever thinking about it, like, yeah, just make sure you're budgeting... A is, lot is in line with what you might like have to pay. Don't be don't be optimistic. Just research and be practical. Because yeah, yeah you just don't want to be coming here and in the first couple of months if you are finding a place, um, or if you know if you're coming up for your first move, you don't want to be planning and then find that as you said, like you decimate your savings for a good few months, and the mm. first three months in your new apartment is spent with you going, oh god, I wish I hadn't moved. Yeah, or I wish I'd spent more time researching before I'd moved. Yeah. Oh, one other little thing, the alternative, uh, guest houses. Guest houses slash shared houses, as they're known here, uh, are a really popular option for a lot of foreigners because you typically, you'll just rent a room in a large house or something with other people, usually usually other foreigners as well. And you just pay for that room, which will probably include utilities as well. So it's nice and easy and hassle-free in that respect. Yeah. And you probably, you'll you'll have to pay some kind of deposit in case you wreck the place, of course, but there won't be any, you know, Two months rent, thank you money, two months rent, key money. You won't have to bankrupt yourself to move into a guest house or yeah. a shared house. So yeah. That's a good option. Yeah. So covering some things here that not the most not the most exciting of topics, but actually things that Super I wish I'd necessary. known before, oh, yeah. before I'd done some of these yeah. things. Yeah. And of course there are many, many other important things as well. And if you know of any or any information in particular that you want to know about for either coming to Japan short term or long term, just fire us a question on Twitter or Instagram. So if you want to catch all the rest of our episodes, we've got everything up on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And in our hiatus, our short hiatus recently, I put up some new videos on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of them is sort of related to what we just talked about, actually. Banking and uh, Apple Pay. How mm. to set up. Oh, that's right. You were talking about that. Yeah. And how to sort of how to sort of set up and sort of almost use Apple Pay. You're sort of using Apple Pay in Japan, but not quite. I've showed people, uh, the good people out there, a method of how to do that. It's quite easy. Anyone can do it. You mm-hmm. don't have to be a Japanese resident. You don't have to be living here. You don't need a Japanese credit card, etc., etc. So... Yeah, if you want to know that, just check the video out. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, I've been to the new Tokyo Olympic Stadium recently. That's right, yeah. And showed showed you how to get there from Shinjuku. Actually, not that far from here. Not close. It's not far from where we are. It's not not far from Let's Explore Tokyo Towers. That's right. I also happen to sleep in Let's Explore Tokyo Towers. (laughs) (laughs) Right now we're in Studio B, my bedroom. (laughs) But you're right. It's actually not far from yeah, yeah. from your place. Um, it's not far from my place either. Actually, it's equidistant. <laughs> you know, Shinjuku is a major hub, so I thought it would be quite useful to know how to get from Shinjuku to the Olympic Stadium. Mm-hmm. So obviously, next year, a lot of people are going to be coming for the Olympics. They are. Yeah. The Olymp- these Olympic things—they really caught on. Okay, so we'll catch you next time for another episode. Have a good one.